This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. How is everyone? I got to introduce Bob and Jonah too last week next door, and I didn't roast him. So thank you, Bob, for not roasting me. That was a very gracious introduction. I appreciate that. I uh, remember in the summer of 2009, a relatively young Christian, I took a staff position at Schweitzer, and right down at the bottom of these stairs made my first announcement at VBS. Now, this place gets jam-packed at VBS, and I get up there, never do any public speaking until this point in my life, and I froze. I said I shared about 25% of what I had to say and went straight back over to that pew and had a panic attack. Two biggest fears are public speaking and dying, right? Well, I almost did them both in the same day, that day. And so I am a product of second chances, okay? For some reason, Bob looked up and watched that announcement, you may not even remember it, and thought, well, I'll give him another chance. So I got to share more ministry opportunities, I got to get to start preaching and teaching, and then a product of second chances here I stand today. I wonder if you have taken advantages of second chances in your life. Another second chance happening in my life is in my personal life with uh, my fiance. If you could put this, aw, isn't that sweet? And so I came to faith in the midst of my previous marriage, and so I had never dated in a Christian way. I had never dated a Christian girl. I'd never done this whole courtship thing, never agreed to remain pure, all of these type of things. And so we're doing premarital sessions with Bob Cassidy. It's a very big blessing to get this opportunity late in life to do Christian courtship and have a woman in my life who is as interested in having a ministry marriage as she is in having a wedding ceremony. So... Yeah, that's, that's very rare these days. Um, so a third second chance I would just share with you, and some of you know this story, is in terms of salvation. I was uh, far from God, if you're following the Jonah story. I was a Ninevite. I was very evil. I had some church attendance in my background, but very, very far from God. And on January 24th, 2008, I had a conversion experience in a Christian counselor's office. And so I remember my spiritual birthday, and I remember getting that second chance. And, and what I've noticed in my life is if we're going to have this walk with God, second chances need to result in serious changes. I wonder if you know that the second chances that God gives us and third chances, right, and fourth chances and fifth chances are always meant to lead us to make serious changes in our life. And why we don't have this vibrant experience with God a lot of times is that we sort of see the gospel and possibly... You know, we understand the, the teaching of second chances and of grace, and, and maybe we put that on the shelf, and, but we don't let it motivate and compel us to make serious changes in our life. And so this morning, I just want to ask you to be open to a God whose Holy Spirit is here today, that, that those of you who are Jonah may be with us this morning, those of you that have a faith and, and a religious background, maybe that you're running from the call of God today. Those of you that could be walking through these doors as Ninevites, I was, you know, sat in church pews with no relationship with God. Maybe you're far from God this morning. Would you be open to the word of God, the God of second chances, and be willing to make some serious changes in your life? Jonah chapter 1 was preached uh, two weeks ago by Church at the Center preacher Jake Hotchkiss, and then uh, he talked about how in Jonah 1, uh, Jonah was kind of having a private faith, and how private faith really is no faith at all. That personal, uh, our faith is very personal, but our faith is never meant to be private. When Jonah hears the first call of God, he runs the other direction and therefore makes his faith very private. 
and God has some things to say about that. If you aren't following us, be sure and read Jonah's chapter, chapters 1 and 2. Last week, Bob took us into the belly of the great fish. Bob took us to this beautiful hymn of, of repentance and confession, and, and Jonah is just crying out to God. God just saved him from drowning, and, and so Jonah is very thankful for that, right? We'd be very thankful as well. And, and so that is sort of how we move into Jonah chapter 3. If you missed either one of those messages, go to Schweitzer's website and watch the video podcast of those. Um, that's a great resource for this church. If you guys would all pay attention at this time to the reading of Jonah chapter 3, the text will be up on the screen, and I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version this morning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. Translation, let's try this again, Jonah. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Some translations read overturned. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth and ashes, and from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Let's take a break and look at this picture of the king. Now look at this image, and it's in your Jonah study books if you're going through it with a group. So the king of Nineveh, the king, can you imagine repentance, revival, nationwide conversion happening from the top down? What a, what a sight this must have been. And he issued a proclamation published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said would, he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of God for the people of God today. So I want to walk us through a few very serious changes that happen in this text as a result of the second chances that both Jonah, religious guy, gets a second chance, and the Ninevites, very irreligious people, get their second chance. And the first one I want to look at today is how Jonah went into the evil in the world, not away from. In chapter 1, he runs away from evil Nineveh. Chapter 3, now he turns, and some events in chapter 2 of the storm and the fish maybe prompted him a little bit, but he hears God's call the second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to Nineveh, and he goes. In Nahum, Chapter 3, verse 1, the prophet calls Nineveh bloody Nineveh. So Nineveh is a place that isn't just filled with people who are kind of bad, okay? It's not like somebody in your family that's sort of really irritating and you don't like to be around them. You don't want to go over there for Thanksgiving dinner. This is not Nineveh. Nineveh is ISIS. Nineveh is Al-Qaeda. Nineveh is the arch enemy of Israel. Nineveh is going, and the spoils that they take in war, the pillaging, the rape, the murder, the just, I mean, they are an extremely savage people. So, obviously, Jonah is going into danger. He realizes that this message he's about to preach could cost him his life. 
and yet he goes anyway. In this chapter, we see that Jonah is running with God. And so I want to talk today to the mature believers in the room. You've had uh, religious experiences with God. You are growing in your faith spiritually. You have somewhat of a command of the scriptures today. So Jonah, I'm talking to you now. In Matthew chapter 28, I want to look at verse 19 and see where Jesus tells all New Testament believers, therefore go. Second word in that verse. Does that sound familiar? What did, what did God say to Jonah? Go to Nineveh. Jesus tells each one of us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go. This call on Jonah's life in chapter 3 is your call, mature believer, to go into the evil of the world. And I've heard this verse interpreted before. Well, they're talking about discipleship, making disciples in the church. So you're a Sunday school teacher, and you're, okay, that is discipleship. Agreed. But what does he say? Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they, disciples that in all of the nations that Jesus tells every one of us to go make are not baptized. They're far from God. They're Ninevites. And so what I want us to do today is to ask ourselves some questions of how this could look contextually in our lives. Okay, you're probably not called everyone in this room to go over to Syria and start, you know, preaching the gospel to the ISIS clan, all right? Maybe, I don't know, but I doubt it, all right? So where is your Nineveh? This could look relational to you. Maybe that there are evil people in your life that you have avoided. Maybe there's a workplace that you have fleed from in the past because you just wanted to be around comfortable Christian people. It could be vocational, like I just said. It could be relational, and it could be geographic. There is uh, this phenomenon that happens whenever neighborhoods get bad. What, what usually happens? The affluent folks get the, get the heck out of town, right? It, it happens. Christians tend to look at danger, and they get afraid, and they don't want to be around those people, and they, they run the other direction. And so I'm inspired by a couple that I want to share a story with you about this morning who, when they uh, got married and came into the church at Church at the Center, they actually helped us launch Church at the Center three years ago. This was the first wedding in the Outreach Center. Did you know that there have been two weddings in the Outreach Center? It's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool. And so I, I got to marry Clark and Lisa, and their philosophy was, if we're going to plant this church, we're going to come into the Oak Grove neighborhood. They moved to Grand and Oak Grove. They said, we're going to live right in the middle of it. And they knew what kind of relationships that they were going to enter into. They ended up for six months sharing their home with a homeless couple. Six months. Now, both of those, uh, both of those people in that couple have, have had a child, and they're uh, involved in church at the center, and one has been baptized among us. Clark and Lisa have given out more keys to their home than what I could count. I have one. I forgot where I put it. But here's Clark and Lisa's philosophy. Come. Come, everyone. We're coming into the neighborhood, and we're going to invest in the neighborhood, not just with our Sunday church attendance and not just with our financial offering. We're going to invest with our lives, and this is going to be costly, and broken people are going to come into our living room when it's not convenient. Now, again, is geographic the area that, it, that God is calling you to run into danger and difficulty and, and even evil? Maybe not, but Clark and Lisa inspired me when I went house hunting last fall. I found out that I could have moved to the Burbs and I could have gotten out of uh, mortgage insurance. Uh, there's some law that says that if you uh, move outside the city limits of Springfield or buy a home, 
rather than the down payment situation is different. If you're in the financial world, you'll understand that. But I decided, no, I can't be a church planting pastor of a missional church, reaching broken people, and then move out of the neighborhood. I cannot do that and in, with any kind of clear conscience. And so I moved to the uh, street right behind the church, and I get to walk through the community garden to church. It's faster for me to walk than it is to drive, and it's just been a huge blessing to be able to open up my home to the people that are coming into church at the center. So Clark and Lisa are a great inspiration. They just moved this week to Pennsylvania, which was a huge blow to our church, but they're going to take these missional principles to Pennsylvania, and we're blessing them, and I ask you to bless Clark and Lisa as well. But my question for you, Jonah's in the room this morning, is what evil in your world have you been running from? What relationships? What vocational areas? What geographic areas have you been running from? This morning could be a way for you to, to answer the call that Jonah answers in chapter 3 and move toward the brokenness in the world rather than away from it. Second thing that I want to look at is that Nineveh's repentance is without condition. Without condition. Let's look back at verse, let's see, I think it is verse 9. Who knows? The king of Nineveh says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Did you catch that? God may still judge them. The king understands that God is God. He is not. They have been wicked. Judgment may come, and we deserve it. So what do we do? We do the right thing anyway. We turn back to God, and, and mercy comes. Praise God. He is a merciful God. Judgment comes. We had that coming, and we brought it on ourselves. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love the world. This is, this is something that I see in pastoring folks. I became a licensed local pastor just um, less than two years ago. And, and man, pastoring the people at church at the center, I, I hear this all the time. Well, I've come back to church and things are still going, oh, there's just, things are still falling apart in my life. It's like, why isn't God coming through for me? Well, I'm, I'm giving and I'm, I'm serving at All Pro Dad. Why isn't, you know, why aren't my circumstances getting better? I have bad news and good news for you this morning. The bad news is you can follow God completely and totally faithfully, give your heart over to him, sell out for Christian service in the church, and your circumstances in this dark, evil, hurting, and broken world may still stink. The good news is you get God. And if you came to church and you came to Christian service for anything other than that, you're going to be disappointed. Because God is not a means to some other end. God is the end. And the, and the king of Nineveh hears not even a great message. There's no grace in Jonah's message. What is he says? You're going to be overthrown. Okay, I'll be outside the city waiting to see what happens. Sorry, that's a little spoiler alert. That's what happens in chapter 4. But, but he's like, the king of Nineveh is, is like, okay. We, the Holy Spirit opened up his heart and the people of Nineveh's heart to understand that when we are far from God, running from God, never met God, we are in such grave danger spiritually and eternally that the greatest gift that God can give us is conversion, the Holy Spirit, peace in times of turbulation, people around us that support us through difficult times, strength to overcome addictions, strength to overcome unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt. That's the gospel. A change in your external circumstances and manipulating people's behavior around you is not the gospel. 
Thank you for the amen. It's church at the center, folks, right there. Fuck it. Yeah. Welcome, Marlisha. Marlisha leads our kids' ministry, so she never gets to hear me preach. She's always over here with the little ones. I want to tell a story um, this morning about a guy named Derek who I've met. This, this young man has, has changed my life. Well, he's around 30, so. Uh, this name, guy's name is Derek Cornelius, and he just spent 30 days in jail. And he came to church at the center in January, and he came back to faith. He had a church background, but he had really been far, far from God. And he came through New Beginnings Men's Recovery House, and, and he comes back to faith. And, and I meet him. I'm starting to mentor him on Monday afternoons. He's leading our transportation ministry. And, and here's Derek is coming up on his sentencing date in the summer. And you know what he says to me? He could get anywhere from three years to 30 years. Three to 30. Now, he wasn't going to get 30. But three years to 30 years. And he spends months and months and months pouring himself out in new beginnings, in church at the center, in counseling, in meetings, and showing people that I'm changing. I may still go to jail for a long time, but it doesn't matter because I have God's love, and I have forgiveness and grace, and I have a community of faith, and I have the Holy Spirit, and that's all I need. The way Paul and the way Joseph handled their their legal issues, their jail time. I may go to jail and that's okay. It ended up, it turned out that through prayer, he got 30 days. That's it. Praise God, right? Amen. That was an answer to prayer. He's already back with us and doing ministry. And so Derek showed me what the king of Nineveh taught me, that irreligious people sometimes can get this message a little more clearly than religious people can, because religious people can tend to start to think that they're entitled to something other than God's love and forgiveness and eternal security and salvation and the Holy Spirit's work in their heart and life. And we're not. And I said that was bad news, but it's not. It's good news. It's good news for us all. Job in Job 21 says, um, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yep, it's one of my favorite, favorite songs. All right. Second thing we see in this passage is that Nineveh repents without condition. The third thing we see is that Nineveh's repentance is society-wide. Nineveh's repentance crosses class lines. Let's look at the message paraphrase, the way it handles this. I I love the way the message handles this. Can we get that up on the screen? Good time to take a drink. All right, the people of Nineveh listened, and they trusted God. They proclaimed a city-wide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. Everyone did it. Rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers. Everybody's repenting. This is crossing all lines of socioeconomic barriers in the city of Nineveh. And what we've done at Schweitzer and what I came over and brought our leaders on Sunday night a few weeks ago to, to learn was how Schweitzer is looking to cross generational barriers. Uh, that's great. Reaching out to millennials. That is, abs- that is awesome. And, and one, a couple of our uh, ladies are reaching out to some um, older ladies within Schweitzer to receive mentoring. So praise God, the church is working together. Generational barriers are huge. Racial and ethnic barriers getting crossed are huge. You know, Martin Luther King said the most segregated hour of the week is on Sunday morning in America, wait, years ago. So ethnic and racial barriers, crossing those lines are huge. And in Christianity, we've got to be crossing those lines as well. But how about crossing the socioeconomic barriers that keep the gulf of rich and poor separate in our culture? As Christians, should we not be called across those barriers as well? Nineveh has a revival across all class lines. The barriers drop, rich, poor, 
poor, actually, actually, the king repents after he hears that it's already happening, so it's really grassroots. The king repents after he sees what's happening in the culture. Church at the Center has been called to do something very, very huge, and we are so thankful to get the opportunity to do it on this campus, and thank you so much for your vision, your support, your prayers. But Church at the Center isn't the only place, and we're not the only people that are called to reach out to folks among the poor people in transitional housing, people from shelters, people struggling with addictions, people with hugely and seriously horribly broken family lives, people on probation and parole. These are the people that God's heart breaks for. If you take the scriptures out, if you take the verses out of the scriptures that talk about caring for the widows and the orphans and the poor, you've got a very ripped up and shredded up Bible. There's not much left. Amen, Dennis? There's not much left. And so what I want to ask you today is, might you be called to cross socioeconomic barriers and enter into a relationship with somebody with far different cultural experiences with you? Now, you think a lot of times that this is going to be God using you to change someone else's life, that, that you're going to be pouring into someone else's life. What actually happens Yes, it can, but it, what actually will end up happening is your life gets changed at the very same time. There's a couple that's been with us for, man, Easter 2013. We weren't even launched yet. Rick and Michelle, and we've worked with Rick and Michelle for two and a half years, and, and their, their life is still a little messy, amen? <laughs> but you know what? When you look at where they were two and a half years ago to where they are now, it is light years in terms of emotional and relational and especially spiritual foundation that they're building within their relationship and within their family. We have, we have uh, set up accountable financial situation. What they're holding up there is a card for a bank. They had never had a checking account or a savings account, never had an account at a bank. The things that, that, that people living in gener generational poverty deal with that, that we just cannot possibly wrap our heads around is, is mind-boggling. Payday lending, predatory lending, that is, that is a reality in the life. Um, government assistance, or, or you starve. You know, using food pantries like the one next door to, to feed your kids. These type things are, are a reality for people, and when you enter into that reality with them, your life has changed. Get the, get the parental mindset out and put the discipleship mindset in, and your life gets changed, not just theirs. Rick and Michelle have changed my life. I, I've watched them come so far in their faith, and I've watched the church step into their world, financial and relational and spiritual, and step into their world and be in their home and mentor them. Michelle is a graduate of Jobs for Life. Praise God for Jobs for Life here at, here at Schweitzer that our church at the center folks get to, get to be a part of as well. So my invitation to you is if you're hearing this call today, and it may just be a handful of you, if you're hearing the call to cross those barriers, then talk to me. We are fully open to people within Schweitzer coming and serving at different capacities at Church at the Center. Drew Fritz leads our Wednesday night Bible study at midweek, but he hasn't left Schweitzer as his main faith community. And Ellen Newby Hines led a small group for a short season, but she didn't leave Schweitzer as her primary worshiping community. Now, Jake, two weeks ago, and his wife, Kayla, and Laura Brandt, and Rich Flippin, there are some among you from two years ago and three years ago that left Schweitzer and said, we're all in, and yes, we'll take you too. But, uh, but I just want to invite you to pray about that. If God has put that on your heart, then, then come, then come and see me. 
So how do we do this? How do we run with God on a consistent basis? How do we hear a message like this and say, how do I know that I'm not going to run away from God again, and then I'm going to hear the word of the Lord a 15th time or a 20th time? Well, in some ways, the spiritual life can be like that. Our walk with God can be like that. But here's the way that I believe we sustain this running with God, that we answer God's second chances with serious changes. Here's how we do it. Jesus gives us a clue. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41. So Jonah is an example for us. Jonah finally runs with God in this chapter. But even Jonah is a sign. Jonah's a sign pointing to something else. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So wicked Ninevites on judgment day, condemning the nation of Israel in Jesus' day. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Here's how you sustain this walk with God. The greater Jonah. You've pressed so deeply into a daily relationship, accessing the grace of Jesus Christ. Every day, soaking up the presence of God through the grace of Jesus Christ. It's our, it's, it's our only way to not hear the word of the Lord a 15th, a 20th, a 25th time as we're running. So if you're Jonah today, turn back to God. It, it's, it's futile. The, the, the storm is coming. It, it's futile. If you're Jonah with us today, then turn back to God. If you're, the, if you're relating to the Ninevites today, if you're like I was eight years ago, sitting in a pew thinking, I don't even know God, then listen to the, the message of Jesus and the message of Jonah. You may just have 40 more days. I did a funeral last week for a guy that was my age. That was sobering. We don't know how much more time we have. Ninevites among us, turn to God. See the futility of living in a world without grace. Take the second chances make serious changes. Will you all bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you that you sent your son into the world, and even before that, you were a God of second chances. In all of human history, you have given second chances to a people who have run far from you. I pray for every person in this room today to hear your call of forgiveness and mercy, redemption and grace, and that they would take a hold of the second chance that you offer them today, to turn back to you, to repent without condition, to seek nothing from you other than your love and your presence and your assurance. Give that to each soul in this room by your grace, for your glory, and for our joy. And in Jesus' name.